You're listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I'm Pastor Josh. I would like to invite you to embark with me on a journey, a journey of biblical study. Through practical application of the Word of God, it is my prayer that you grow in greater relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Please join me as we journey to the next Stepping Stone of Faith. On the day when, ju- when judgment comes, when we go to eternity and meet God, if we still have that unforgiveness and, and no repentance and judgment and all those things and no repentance, we're heaping wrath upon ourselves. God is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Father, we thank you today. Lord, we pray that as the boys go learn Sunday school, that you would give their, uh, their hearts and their minds readiness to learn. Father, that they would absorb the things of God today. And Lord, we thank you for them, and we pray that your spirit be round about the whole class today, minister there, and touch them and touch their teacher today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 2. Last week, we last couple of weeks, we've talked about Romans chapter 1. And Romans chapter 1 specifically and kind of in a way, roundabout way talks about uh, the punishment of the wicked and... Paul's, uh, Paul's writings to them would indicate that God's requirement for a holy life. Romans chapter 2 talks about the righteous judgment of God as well as our responsibility as believers to those that are not believers, believing people. So we will be in chapter 2, verse 1, following down. We're going to try, I'm going to try, we'll probably read to verse 16. I don't know if we'll get that far today, but we'll read to verse 16. So 1 to 16 in Romans chapter 2. Therefore, you are, not, you are without excuse, O man, whoever you are who, who, whoever you are who judges, for when the judgment, when you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge do the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who commit such things. Do you think, O oh man, who judges those who do such things and who does the same thing, that you will escape the judgment of God? Do you despise the riches of his goodness? tolerance and patience, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. But because of your hardness and impotent heart, impediment heart, you are storing up treasures of wrath against yourself on the day of wrath, when the righteous judgment of God will be revealed, and he will render to every man according to his deeds, to those who by patiently doing good Seek for glory and honor and immortality will be eternal life. But to those who are contentious and do not obey the truth, 
but bay right on unrighteousness and indignation and wrath will be tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man who does evil to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace will be to every man who does good work, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, for there is no partiality with God. As many as have sinned without the law with without the law will also perish without the law. And as many who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For the hearers of the law are not justified by God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For, for when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these, not having the law, are a law unto themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness while their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. In the day when according to, to, my, to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Pray that your spirit be round about us and that you minister to us by your spirit. Help us, Lord, to be ones of uh, the scriptures, people of the scripture, people that seek the will of God and the face of God and seek the, uh, a, a life fulfilled in God. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Romans 1, we talked about the wickedness of those that are sinful. Romans 2 talks about the sinfulness of those who say they're righteous. We have to guard ourselves against those kinds of thinking. And what I mean by that is when we puff ourselves up thinking we're better than everyone else when we ourselves have sin in our heart too. You know, just because we're believers doesn't mean that we are immune from the thoughts of sin, the actions of sin, the temptation of sin. We are also not immune to that. That is something that we deal with every single day. And when we judge, when we make ourselves more highly than we ought to think, I think we read that this morning, we are sinning. We are sinning. What did Jesus say? Remember, he said, don't, don't try to get the speck out of your brother's eye without getting the plank out of your own eye. In other words, you're just as, as sinful as anyone else. You're not any better than anyone else. We choose to follow God. We're all equal. And he goes on and he says here, we'll start here in verse 1. Therefore, you are not without excuse. And he's opening with that verse because in Romans 1, he's giving them their whole, this whole treatise on what it is to be sinful and the sinfulness of them so that they know of those that are wicked, so that the, the elect that is reading this will know what it is that God views as sinful. And he says, therefore, you'll be without, you are without excuse. You know what is sinful. You know what God says is sinful. 
He says, whoever you, who, whoever you are who judges, for when you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you, for you who judge do the same things. We do the same things. How many times have we seen, uh, how many times have we seen people who say, well, you shouldn't do this. You know, like my dad always used to say, um, don't smoke, you shouldn't smoke. But yet my dad was smoking. Or you shouldn't drink, but yet my dad was an alcoholic. His actions were telling us as young, young adults and teenagers that it didn't matter what dad said. He was doing what he was saying not to do, so it didn't matter. We could go ahead and do it because it was okay for dad, so it's okay for me. He's saying here, don't be judging people. Don't be telling them that this is sinful when you do the same thing. When you're doing that which you're telling people they shouldn't do, you're not doing anything. And, and verse 24 in this chapter is a very sobering scripture. And we may end with that scripture. We'll go on to it in, in full context. But in the context of that scripture, what we're talking about here is very uh, poignant. He says, but we, knowing we, the the righteous, those that follow God, we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who commit such things. So we ought to know that the judgment of God is saying that we shouldn't be doing the sinful things, especially when we're telling people they shouldn't, that they shouldn't, and yet we're doing them. And he points them to this question, do you think, O oh man, who judges those who do such things and who's, who does the same thing, that you will escape the judgment of God. Just because we say we're Christians is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. I had a pastor, well, my only pastor, um, that I got saved under, used to say, saying you're a Christian makes you, or saying, saying you're a Christian and going to church, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in, sitting in McDonald's makes you a hamburger, okay? So basically, it's a funny saying, but it's true. Going to church doesn't make you a follower of Christ any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger, okay? Our actions must follow up our words. And what he's telling them here is your actions are not following up your words, in this day and age, it was kind of like it is now. Church was, uh, from the way, way he's writing this, church was just a tradition, something you did. You went to synagogue or you went to, went to the churches. They would go and it was a club kind of thing. We are the righteous and we're okay to do this because we're the righteous. But you're not because you're not in our group. We've got to guard against those kinds of thoughts because it happens today. Why do you think we have so many denominations? You know, there's a lot of denominations because of that very mentality. At the very root of how they started, yeah, maybe not that mentality today, but the reason there's so many is because, well, we're right and they're wrong and no, you're wrong, we're right. And so they would put a little bit of a different thinking on the scripture and they'd come up with a different uh, 
be a different denomination. And that's how we ended up with the Lutherans. Well, you know, Martin Luther, uh, which I, I, I love Martin Luther. I'm not saying anything bad about Martin Luther. I think Martin Luther was probably the, the turning point for modern uh, evangelicalism, if that's even a word. But he was the, the starting point for the evangelical movement. And, and I love uh, his, his life story and his, the way he uh, went through. He, did, he denied himself, you know, locked himself away and just became, uh, just learned about God. And then the 95 Theses on the door changed the whole footprint of Christianity. And that was one of those things where it wasn't a matter of you're wrong, we're right, we're going to separate because he had spent time with God and God had showed him some things. So there's those kinds of things and then there's things where people just start their own church because they don't like the going of this other church. And that's kind of how denominations started was differences of opinion. You know, and in the first century, after Jesus was resurrected and ascended to the right hand of God, there was only one church. It was the Christians. You know, and then, of course, we have the book of Galatians, which we're studying on Sunday night on Facebook. The reason that uh, some of the denominations started, that, you know, the Galatian church had different people coming in, and they said, you have to do this to do this, and you have to do this to follow God, and you have to do this to be a follower of Christ, and they split because... Some of them believed it and some of them didn't. And so therefore, Paul had to go and deal with that. And therefore, there was a difference of opinion and a difference of thinking of the Scripture. That's how denominations got started. Now, I say all that train rabbit hole thing to say that we can have differences of opinion we can have different thoughts of the Scripture, but when it comes to blatantly doing against the Scripture and saying it's okay because I'm a believer, we're not going to escape the judgment and wrath of God. Now, and that's what Paul is saying here. Four, he says, Do you despise the riches of his goodness? Do you despise the riches of his goodness? That's a good question. His tolerance, his patience, and, and not knowing all the goodness that God, of God leads to repentance. Do we, do we deny those things? Do we deny the goodness of God? And, and that's a poignant question for 2019. In our own lives and in my own life and in our own lives, do we deny the goodness of God by our life? You know, we've had a very rough couple of weeks, our family has. And because of that, one might say, well, you know, where's your, where, you know, how's your relationship with God? My relationship with God is great. You know, it's how you look at situations. It's how you, it's how you, <clears throat> you twist things around to where, you know, some might say, well, it's just a dog, you know, you, you lost your dog. Well, the dog was like one of our family members. And so then you think about, you know, 
you can go, well, it's we lost our dog, and therefore we're sad, and therefore, you know, we're mad at God, or we can say we had 11 years, and that was the goodness of God. And so you, you think about those kinds of things. And so in our life, do we, do we deny the goodness of God and the grace of God and the mercies of God by our own attitudes? You know, really, you have to think about those things. And that's in every situation. You know, I, Lois had an accident last week, didn't get hurt. That's the goodness of God. You're able to talk to someone about the Lord. That's the goodness of God in a bad situation. And, you know, God, God is, that's why we always say God is good. Because in all of it, he is good. In a bad situation, God is good. It's where our perspective comes that denies that either denies the goodness of God or 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 complements the goodness of God in our life. So let's not despise the goodness of God. His riches, his tolerance, he's tolerant and patient with us all the time. How many of us can keep our hands down and say we never disappointed God? If I said did, did, did you ever disappoint God, could you keep your hand down? No. We'd keep our hands up. We'd say, me, me, just this morning or, you know, last night or, you know, whatever. We disappoint God all the time. We fail God on a regular basis. And yet his patience and his um, goodness and tolerance of us is always there. It's always there. And Paul was saying to the Romans, by their actions... They were denying these things, the goodness, the riches of God, the tolerance of his people and the patience of God. They were denying those things by their actions. And therefore, for today, in 2019, we ask the question, do we deny our God's goodness and, and mercies and all those things by our actions and attitudes? And it is a... It is a um, self-examination kind of moment when a question like that is brought to our attention. Do we deny God his goodness, his tolerance, his patience by our attitude? I try not. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I know I'm not perfect. There's three people downstairs that know I'm not perfect. But we know that all those good things of God they lead to repentance and salvation. I never got, none of us could say, we never got saved out of, out of the uh, anger of our hearts or the denying of God. We got saved because we realized the love of God. We realized the, the mercies of God on our life and the patience that God had had with us for however long it took for us to get saved. And we realized all of that and that led to repentance and salvation. And Paul goes on in verse 5 and he says, but because of the hardness of your heart, you are storing up treasures of wrath against yourself on the day of wrath when the righteous judgment of God will be revealed. If we have a hard heart, if we're angry, listen, we get angry. I get angry. We all get angry. But if we hold grudges, 
you know? People hold grudges. People hold uh, unforgiveness in their heart for situations and circumstances and people. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm being honest. I know people that have held unforgiveness in their heart and grudges and all these things. On the day when, ju- when judgment comes, when we go to eternity and meet God, if we still have that unforgiveness and, and no repentance and judgment and all those things and no repentance, we're heaping wrath upon ourselves. God is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. We're not going to be with him. We are going to be apart from him. That's why it is so important for us to not deny the goodness of God and, and live to seek the goodness of God and live a, live a holy life before God. It's so important, so important to do that because it is through Jesus Christ and his salvation that we're even here today. Each one of us in here that is saved can say, if Jesus had never came to my heart, came into my heart, I don't know where I would be today. And I, I could say the same thing. I could say the same thing. I don't know where I would be today. I know I wouldn't have a wife and two children, not those anyway. You know? I don't know where I would live, where I'd be living. I don't know where I would be at. I don't know none of that. But it was because of my not denying the goodness of God and, bringing my, and God bringing me to repentance and salvation that I am here today. I know I would definitely not be the pastor of this church because before I became a Christian, I hated public speaking. We know that. I've talked about that many, many times. But understand that when we deny the goodness of God, we shortcut God's mercies in our life. And we are, re- we are heaping wrath upon ourselves. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. He will render every man according to his deeds. This is where you have the faith and the work system. The faith versus the work system. We're talking about that this morning. You know, the, 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 a person that has faith should be doing good works. Everybody should be doing good works, okay? Everybody should be being good people. We should all try to love one another and take care of one another and be good people, regardless of our salvation or, or lack of salvation. We should be trying to be good people. But understand that when we have faith, the faith that, that Jesus gives us, the measure of faith, it's like the mustard seed brought about in the Gospels when Jesus talks about that. That measure of faith is a measure of faith to believe that Jesus Christ died for you and that he is coming again and that you need repentance. That is that, what that measure of faith is for. And then when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart and we move forward in that relationship with God, that faith begins to grow, just like we talked about, just like that mustard tree that he's talking about in the scripture. When we cultivate our faith, when we come to church, when we read our Bible, when we pray and we listen to God and we do that what God wants us to do, that causes our faith 
to grow. And when the faith grows, the faith brings about a mindset change that says, I want to do good things for God. And then when that happens, that comes about by the faith in which was built up from the salvation. That's the faith-based system. The works-based system says, if I do everything I can to do good, at the end, there's going to be a scale, and God's going to weigh what I did good versus what I did bad. And if I have more good than I have bad, then I'm going to go to heaven. But if I have more bad than I have good, I'm going to go to hell. That's a works-based system, and that's not how it works. That's not how it works, although there's a part of that but that's not the whole thing. We have to be good people. God desires for us to do good deeds by the faith in which he has given us and that we've cultivated and grown through the years of spending with him. Now, was that too high, was that too high over the heads? I hope it wasn't. Um, but anyway, now, to those who by patiently doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality will be eternal life. To those who by patiently doing good seek, the glory, seek for glory and honor and immortality will be eternal life. So if you're doing good, if you're doing that faith-based system where you believe God, you, you're walking in the presence of God, you're walking in the spirit of God, you're doing that which God wants you to do, you're doing good works because of the faith, your rendering will be eternal life. Listen to what he says here. But to those who are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, will be tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man who does evil to the Jew and then first the Gentile, and then the Gentile. So if we are People of God, now, now listen, it's talking about those who like righteous indignation and, and all, we can be the same way. We can be the same way. We can harbor things. Listen to what it says again. Unrighteous indignation and wrath and a do not obey the truth. What, is the, what does the Bible say? We must forgive and we will be forgiven. If you don't forgive, I will not forgive you. If you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you before my Father. The Bible says these things. Jesus said these things. Therefore, if we know what we should be doing and yet we do not do them, James chapter 5, I believe, the sin of omission, the man, for what a man knows to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. We are then reaping damnation. We are then reaping a life apart from God, an eternal life apart from God. Now, this goes on. But glory, honor, and peace will be to every man who does good work, to the Jew and then to the Gentile. So understand, the Jew and the Gentile that does not follow God, follow after God, will reap damnation. 
Now, a lot of times in the Jewish culture, you know, they their whole thing, especially in the Scripture, in the times of the Pharisees, we're the chosen people. God chose us. God will, God will bring us. God chose us. Well, in the new covenant under Jesus, they're required to follow Jesus to receive eternal life. Spoken of right here. If the Jew and the Gentile don't follow God, they are going to reap damnation. But if the Jew and the Greek, Gentile or Greek or Gentile, whichever term you want to use, follow God, they will receive eternal life. So what he's basically saying is that everyone is included. Not just the Gentiles and not just the Jews. Everyone is included. We will all either receive wrath or eternal life, depending upon what we do with what Jesus has done for us in, in, in this life. Now, peace. I want peace. Every day I want the peace of God. I think in everyday life, just in everyday life, not just not just in the past couple of weeks, but in everyday life, we should desire the peace of God. The opposite of the peace of God is anxiety, fear, and all the things that go along with that. We should desire the peace of God. Because if we don't desire the peace of God, we are, again, doing away with and denying the goodness of God. Now in 24 of this chapter, this is a good place to put this in here, the 24th verse. It says, 23 and 24, and we'll go back next week and talk about this, but it says, it says, you who boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? As it is written, the, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Now Paul is going, talk, now Paul's writing to the church. He's not writing to the sinners. He's writing to the believer. He's not writing to, you know, those that need to come in to follow God. He's writing to those that are following God. And he's saying, things need to change. Things need to change. One thing that I would never want anyone to think about me is that I dishonored God by my actions and therefore nobody followed God because of me. Could you imagine at the judgment seat of God, you're standing there before God and he said, not only does he say depart from me, but he says to you, because of you, nobody that you had contact with followed God because of you, because of your, uh, your, your uh, attitude, your, your way of speech, your, way, your, your, your nature and these things, because of this, no one followed you. Because of you, the word of God, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles. Could you imagine that? That is worse than being sent to eternal damnation. That's bad enough, 
but, to, but for Jesus to say, because of you, nobody came to know me, because of you, because of your mission, your ministry. Could you imagine? I, I, I can't imagine the, the, the gravity of the weight of that statement. Therefore, it is very important for us to never deny Jesus Christ. Even in the face of persecution, never deny Jesus Christ. Never do that. People lost their lives. What did Jesus say? He said that those who lose their life for my sake shall find it, and those who find their life shall lose it. Never deny Jesus Christ. You never know. I think often about that movie, The End of the Spear. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. If, if anybody's ever seen that movie, I have. It's a very good movie. It's a true story about Nate Saint and the few people that went to Ecuador, an, an island off Ecuador, to um, minister to this group of people that no one was ever able to minister to. Every time someone went there, they killed them because they didn't want them there. Nate Saint and his group went there, tried to minister to them, and they too were killed. But nevertheless, years and years later, as I was watching a documentary, the very person that killed Nate Saint, the man who killed him, Nate Saint's son and this man are best friends because, they, because, of, because of their witness and their, their um, denial of renouncing Christ. There are churches there. There are Christians there. There are ministries there. I think his wife went back and ministered. I, I believe that there's a lot of good that God is doing there because of the fact that they did not deny the goodness of God and the grace of God in the face of death. Now, God has not called me to that and has not called us to that, I hope, and I hope he does never call me to that. But even in that, we must never deny the goodness of God. We must, I guess the whole crux of this message is we must always consider what we're doing and why we're doing it. You know, with the, with the uh, advent of um, social media and the advent of technology beyond, you know, when I was first um, in college, we had internet, but it was so slow and it didn't go very far. And if you, you wanted it to go far, you'd have to pay an exorbitant amount of a phone bill because you had to call over, you had to call an international number to get it to go international. Now, you can go anywhere by Wi-Fi, wireless, or DSL, or cable, or whatever. You can go anywhere. And with the advent of social media, internet, and all of these things, what we put out there what we say, what we post can tell someone very much, very quickly about our, a lot about our character. 
You know, I, I, we're on Facebook right now. See, we're right there on Facebook right now. And when I think about that social media platform, I see a lot of negativity. I see a lot of uh, hate. I see a lot of things. Some of it is by Christians. Most of it is not. But what does that say to those who are not believers when a Christian, or someone who claims to be a Christian, I should say, puts things that's negative or puts things that shouldn't be out there out there? What does that say? And see, it's because of this technology that those kinds of things can affect someone in another country and thereby affect a, a possibly affect a family over in another country. You see, we're not just the neighborhood folks anymore. We're, we're global now. What I say, what we say, can affect someone in another country, a family in another country, not just the family down the street. You see? So we have a farther reach of doing more damage for the gospel or doing more greatness for the gospel. And see, if we're a believer and we say, well, I'm a believer and this is what I do and this is what I say and this is where I go to church and this, but then we put things and say things we shouldn't on social media or anywhere else for that matter, we understand that we are doing more detriment to the gospel of God than we are to the betterment of God. We are not helping anyone come to a knowledge of God. And it's become more far-reaching. You know, Claytonville, back in the, probably in the 50s and 60s, I know, uh, I know some people from Claytonville other than you guys, and they tell me, well, there was a couple stores here and there was this shop here and that shop here and there was a lot of businesses here. But back in those days, the farthest it ever got probably was within the town. Something bad or something good. Unless you knew people and family members carried things out, you know. I don't want to sound like, it's, like it was ancient history, but, you know, pretty much everybody knew everybody's business and probably still is that way. But I mean, you know, that's as far as it went. Now it goes everywhere. Somebody does someone wrong, first thing they put it is right on Facebook. Right on Facebook. You know, and that's, um, we're doing more damage than we are doing any good. And that's what Paul's talking about here. In the context of this era, you're not doing any good, you're doing bad. You're doing worse. You're detrimenting. You're being a detriment to the, to the word of God. You're being a detriment to the, the uh, coming, to, for those to come to know the Lord. You're doing a detriment to them. Let's not be like that. And what this calls for is for us to think. Remember how to do that? You think before you speak. You think before you post, you think, use your brain. You know, my kids are downstairs and 
I'm teaching them, you know, they're five, six, and seven. Think before you talk. Think before you talk. And that's a, that's a child kind of, you know, you, you teach children to have the discernment to think before they say something. But sometimes adults don't have that. And so I'm saying right now, think before we speak. Think about feelings. Think about things like that. Think about things before you post them. There are some of us here that have Facebook pages. I have one. And a few, a few of, others, of us have one or two. Right, Jim? But, but um, understand that with the advent of that technology, we have to think. We have to think anyway. But you've got to think before you post. Think before you speak. Think before you say something that could be a detriment, especially if they know you're a believer. That's wrong for you to be doing that, you blankety-blank-blank-blank. Well, wait a minute. That's wrong for you to be saying that. You know, think about those things. That's very, for me, that's second nature. That's like, that's elementary. We should be doing that anyway. But for some people, that's not the case. And I understand that. And I'm not coming down on anybody for that. But we need to think about what we say and how we say it in every situation. Let's be a light for God and a light for the gospel, and not a blight for the gospel. Amen? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I don't want anybody to, to for stand before God and for him to say, because of you, nobody ever got saved. Nobody ever came to the Lord because of you. Let's not do that. Let's not, let's not live our lives like that, in a fear of that, or, or whatever. Let's be what God wants us to be. Praying people who are people of the word, who love God, love people, and especially think before they speak. Amen? Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you today for this word. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Lord, I pray that we apply these things to our heart. I pray that we would uh, look to you for strength and peace. I pray that you administer to us this week. Give us our ample opportunity to share the word with others, that we would grow the body of Christ this week. And Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you today. Thank you for being here. God is good. God is good in all things. Amen. Remember this week, think about what you do, what you say, how you do it, and how you say it. Seek opportunities to minister to others. Allow God to use you in those opportunities. Amen. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. May he be with you this week and give you those things. Amen. Amen.